0: Hey, firecrackers, it's Naomi, and welcome to the firecracker department. Now, just a little note before we start this interview, it seems like there were some, I don't know, like gremlins in our Zoom room. So some of the audio is a little bit choppy, but I promise you, hand on my heart, this is such a great interview and you're gonna wanna push through it. So ignore the choppiness because the interview is so fantastic and so truthful and authentic. And this chat is such a great insight into a different generation than we usually talk to at uh, the firecracker department. So you're gonna wanna listen to it. So now you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna listen to it. But who is this guest? Our guest this week. All right, get a load of this. Okay, it is Toronto based Vocalist, songwriter, director, music marketing specialist, Syrian-Canadian, and now Juno Award winning, yes, Sally Shar. Oh my goodness. Just take a moment to congratulate Mono Wales for their Juno win for Breakthrough Group of 2022. I mean, I feel like I saw it coming. When I spoke with Sally, I feel like the way she was approaching her music, the way their band came together, I was like, they're gonna win. And then they did. Now the mono whales are Jordan Cercosta, Zach Zanardo, and of course our guest, the one and only Sally Shar. Oh, so proud of them. I can't wait to see their star rise and shine because they just deserve all the accolades for their hard work and talent. For our international friends, just so you know, the Junos are like the Canadian Grammys and they recognize all the music in our country. Now, Sally has studied with Canadian vocal legends like Christine Duncan, Lorraine Lawson, Falconer Abraham, and Mika Barnes, and she has such an amazing voice. Honestly, you're going to want to listen to this chat and then you're going to want to immediately listen to some of her music. I have to also say, Sally is constantly pushing the boundaries of her voice, both on stage and in the studio. You can see the drive that she has to pursue her art through her work ethics. She's got amazing work ethics. Through her studies at Humber College's music program and also an unfortunate bout of tonsillitis, Sally has become a veritable expert on vocal health and recovery. I mean, vocal health is just, it's just so important not only for singers but actors like i don't know if you've ever had a sore throat but there's nothing you can do to push through that i've had such bad uh, throat infections and things like that that i developed nodes and honest to god there was times i was on stage and i would open my mouth to say my lines and it would sound like this like nothing nothing would come out so vocal health is so important and i love my discussion with sally around that sally's a founding member of the alternative rock band mono whales and sally's been the creative force behind numerous music videos, photos, and online marketing campaigns for the band. Yep, she's a firecracker of all trades. Sally's ingenuity and forward-thinking approach to music marketing has helped Mono Whales establish themselves as one of the most exciting new bands in Canada. I mean, I could even say world. Once you hear Mono Whales, you're gonna be like, this is incredible. Mona Wales' 2019 single RWLYD, which stands for Really Wanna Let You Down, broke the record for the highest charting single by an unsigned Canadian band when it hit number two on the media-based Canada Alternative Rock chart. They released their latest album, Daytona Bleach, in early 2021, which included RWLYD, along with top 10 singles All or Nothing and Out with the Old. By the way, Out with the Old has over 1 million streams on Spotify. What? I know. Go listen to it. Okay, wait. Don't don't go right now. Listen to this first and then go listen to it. Sally is no stranger to the stage. She has toured extensively with Mono Wales and performances include Reeperbahn in Hamburg, Germany, Canadian Music Week in Toronto, Canada, Festival d'été in Quebec City, Canada, and Yellowknife Pride. Mono Wales has played in support of artists including K-Flay, Our Lady Peace, Death From Above 1979. Marianas Trench, Sloan, i Mother Earth, and so many more. Mono Whales were just on a cross-Canada tour with indie rock band Mother Mother, and they have a new album slated for release fall of 2022. So much going on for those folks, and I'll say Sally just does it all with such grace. Listen to my chat, you'll understand what I'm saying. Here she is, the one and only Sally Shar. I mean, I'm so excited to talk to you. This is so great. I've been like inundating my brain and heart with your music. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to find out like the person behind this. It's really great. This is a treat.
1: Yeah, thank you. I love doing podcasts. I think they're really fun and especially being surrounded by women. It's nice because a lot of podcasts are very male dominated and it's really nice.
0: (laughs) Are you close with your family? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Your family with your family.
1: I yeah. I'm. Fa- that's a great way of putting it. Like we're. I would say we're pretty close. But like every family has their issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nicely put. I would never air my issues publicly. I think that's an internal thing that you have to respect everybody else's wishes in general.
0: Mm-hmm. But for
1: the most part, like I'm really lucky to have a family who came to a point as you could see with the Juno video with my mom that finally um, really fully support my career. Yeah. I think for a while as an immigrant child, you're not stoked as a parent for your kid to go into music or the arts. <laughs> it's a hard sell because
0: yeah.
1: they're like that's a hard life. Are you yeah. sure? Like so what did they if- want
0: you to do, Sally?
1: Oh, to be a doctor yeah. <laughs> lawyer like I was never gonna be either honestly like I was not interested even though I think those are great career paths but um, in the end now that you know things are working out and you have like keywords like CBC it's just like keywords that help them feel like there's success in what you're doing yeah so oh, there's a lot of things that can get lost in translation when a family's language, first language is in English. And my this like English is my parents' like third language. So right. they're very smart people.
0: Are you they, first generation Canadian?
1: I'm an immigrant.
0: And so how many languages do you know?
1: I know two. Solidly, I would say two. <laughs> I dabbled in German. I've dabbled in French, but mm-hmm. I I know Arabic, which is my first language. And then I was actually in ESL as a child to learn English. So I did that program.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's an amazing, I mean, first of all, regarding your parents it is so relatable. I I don't think any artist won't regard the journey of into their art as uh, challenging with their family because your family doesn't go, Oh, I hope you have struggles and i hope you are challenged financially which is what it is to go into the arts was there a time where you because i I feel like there's a time also as an artist where you suddenly go oh no i'm in this now do you remember that that time in your life yeah i mean if i'm
1: gonna be honest with you like i always did i Mm -hmm. always was like don't worry i can do this like it's like it's almost like this teenage rebellion that like you think that it is at the time that you're like, you know, nothing, mom and dad. I know I can do this, but it's deeper than that. It's like even from childhood, I really feel like I thought about it a lot. And and through my teenagehood and, and young adultness, like I, I still I still sit and think about it. And I'm like, is this what I want yes, here are the immense struggles that come along with it. Am I willing to do the work and Mm -hmm. maybe even come to those boundaries and, and, you know, lose my privacy or this or that? Am I Mm -hmm. willing to do that to achieve what I want to achieve? Yes. So I always Mm -hmm. have those conversations with myself since I was a child, I feel like, and I was always confident in knowing like, that's what I want to do I was in choir as a kid I did all the like singing competitions like I was so obviously obsessed with music right. and everyone knew it especially my parents so they're not surprised like when I got to college and I had options I did end up going for music but it was like they're like
0: of course like
1: like they right. were like at that point like exhausted at trying.
0: <laughs> you wore them down <laughs>
1: that they're like, you are always going to do this anyways. So, yeah.
0: I mean, tell me, I'm so curious about how you found your sound. That sounds weird. Is that a weird question? Because I feel like, like Humber, you focused on jazz at the beginning, right? So, and then coming from like an Arabic background, there's like huge influences of that as well. So can you tell me about that process?
1: Sure. I would say growing up, I was into pop, like, like heavily, yeah. I remember the first time I ever saw Britney Spears on TV, like hit me baby one more time and I was done. Done. (laughs) Spice Girls, all that stuff. Growing up, I don't know if this is a thread of an, just like an immigrant child situation, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know any immigrant moms who aren't absolutely obsessed with Celine Dion.
0: (laughs) So those are your keys right there. You got Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Spice Girls.
1: Like, I'm just going to be honest, because I think people like to act cooler than it is with, like, and some people have it better. Like, you know, I didn't grow up with, like, the Beatles or, like, Rolling Stones or any of, like, the traditionally cool thing your parent would bring to you. Like, I came to that on my own eventually, right. but for the most part, it was, like, pop music, Celine Dion, Arabic music in the household. Yeah. And- random disco albums that my dad liked abba like again i feel like every immigrant parent loves abba so oh someone prove me wrong <laughs> with
0: that but i just love like i have a vision of you like putting all this music into a mixing pot and then you're like and then you get your sound
1: that's how i feel cuz then but I did discover like my brother is actually heavily into metal so how I got listening to classic rock or metal like I know every metal lick from like mega death to Amana Marth. like just sitting in my room next to him him playing guitar right. in my life like it influenced me in a way as well like hearing yeah. that music and then for my own I got into like heavily into like indie music Rock music. At the moment, I find that I'm heavily more into electronic music than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I've ever been a person of like one pot, so that's why it's really hard for me to describe by sound because, yeah. I
0: think,
1: like, I try not to care about it. If I'm but gonna... that's so
0: great. Like, why do we need to label it? Right? Why can't it just be Sally's sound?
1: Yeah, I mean, to to be fair, even to the rest of the band like that's what makes it even more interesting it's like I have this whole lifetime of influence yeah but then Zach has a lifetime of influence and Jordan does and so we come together and I think of it
0: like a Venn diagram of like where are oh our... Gosh, yes <laughs> I talk about that all the time in the firecracker department about like like what your sound is or what like your dreams are in firecracker dreams and the Venn diagram I talk I'm and then there's your the middle part is the mono whales.
1: yeah exactly so I love it very heavily influenced by all of us. Like Zach writes a lot of really like core stuff in mono whales and we all have different interests, even within writing. Like I know for me and Jordan, we, we love songwriting craft mm-hmm. and like lyrical craft and not that Zach's not, he's incredible at it by nature, but he's really heavily into production. Mm-hmm. So we all bring like different things to the table and every like song differs because yeah. we do not like to have a, like people always ask me like what's your song process and i'm like yo my best advice sometimes is to throw that thought away and just get at the song however you get at it and Mm -hmm. have low barrier pressure so we you know i might have just like written honestly just like lyrics and melody nothing underneath it and come Mm -hmm. to and be like you're the great chord writer like help me figure out the chords here's generally what i wrote Mm -hmm. can you better which he definitely usually can then you know if I bring it to Jordan Jordan is a great lyricist writing with me and so it's really easy to up the ante on the lyrics it almost feels like when we're writing a song we're like we have this little project and we're like how can we make it the best and we yeah. just like keep on working and they're like a bunch of songs some of them never make it because we try really hard and we're like ah it's falling so mm-hmm. we only make the ones that like Kind of get there, or we feel it gets there, or expresses us, and this album, it feels like the most together we've ever felt. Like that Venn diagram has really like focused a lot more in the middle on bringing us all together rather than pulling
0: each other into our own diagrams. What do you think happened? Does something shift in your team? Because I do think like the healthiest and most successful teams kind of follow a uh, a Wizard of Oz formula. Where, like, somebody brings the brain, somebody brings the heart, somebody brings the courage. And oh. it sounds like you have that. But what do you think shifted, like, to make this record even more special than, than typically?
1: Actually, the pandemic really shaped it in mm-hmm. many ways. Like, one being... Like, I've seen my band in the last 10 years more than I've seen my family. Like, I was with them all the time, almost yeah. every day. Like, if I'm not with them in person, it's on the phone. Like, it was a lot. And of course, like, it has to be. If you want to be successful, you are working extremely close and extremely hard. But we forget that sometimes breathing room and space mm-hmm. can really help with relationships bringing back together because if you never fall away, you can't come back together. So I think what helped is with the pandemic, believe it or not, we were now physically separated. We could not like force each other into a room to work or to write that way. And it shook things up in a really fun, creative way that like, Mm -hmm. okay, do this. How are we gonna manage doing this? And I know that we all really needed our alone time separately, go away and like work on ourselves. Cause when you're with people all the time, you don't have time for yourself. (laughs) You don't have a moment alone. So how can you think or work on those things if you're never in solitude? So Mm -hmm. having the solitude actually like really threw us into sometimes like a deep depression, deep anxiety, but it meant that we had the time to work on it to get help to get therapy like all separately those are the pieces that we knew when we came back together would make us stronger and then it shook it up like we wrote most of this album like this on zoom so it was great not everyone likes it we all are different levels about how we like it but I'm a huge advocate of writing on zoom because you can mute and walk away
0: right (laughs) right yeah yeah
1: go get a cup of tea and keep thinking about the lyric and not feel pressured to be staring someone dead in the face that like we need to finish this lyric today like yeah just gave again breathing room like and yeah. the, because you to mute you could really you can't speak over each other and so it's really stopping and listening so I thought it was a great experience mm. in- and and a practice to bring us together. And now that we're back together, we even had group therapy as a band. So did you really, I was going to
0: ask you, there's a a great collaboration um, essence with your team. And you went into like you had like a, a mediator as a band?
1: We found a, a therapist actually through the Juno masterclass who we really liked did a masterclass at the masterclass and we all like really liked her so we're like hey why don't we reach out to her and do a group session and the best thing was I think if we had done therapy as a band pre-pandemic and pre our own therapy it would have been a disaster in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, but yeah. Be- had cooled down and thought about things and worked on things you we didn't go into therapy with feeling aggression like we were yeah. actually like feeling good and calm which makes it much easier to like come together and work together rather than like be at each other's throats it was very yeah. much we want to be on the same page badly so what can we do to work together and get there and I think we've come a long way
0: <laughs> yeah I mean that's a I really I'm in admiration of that kind of step because there's so many people that, you know, they they talk about collaboration. They talk about the importance of coming together as a team, but they're not necessarily willing to do the work that it takes. Because like any kind of collaboration, it's not easy, whether it's your partner in life or your partner in creative work. Did you discover tools? I mean, you must have. What kind of tools did you discover as a team that you have kind of put in your tool belt to help you through like you've talked about you know the blessing and the curse of of working together but tell me what the tools were that you've used
1: I think those tools in a way are so specific because whatever Mm -hmm. your own mental health issues are really come into play when you're in really tight quarters and Mm -hmm. so are things that constantly aggravate you you have to remember that like it's not really the other person's problem that it's aggravating you or that it annoys you. Mm -hmm. So you have to come at yourself in that moment and say, like, why am I reacting? How can I change the way that I see the situation or my actions so that I don't come in with aggression and then there's a bad vibe and then like, what a terrible room to be in. Yeah. I have the goal of being in a really great room. So making sure that I'm constantly, I think we're all doing this, checking in with ourselves right. so that we're not coming in with the same type of behaviors that we always have. So it's right. just, it's like self-awareness.
0: <laughs> I, I see that you have a very keen, like even the discussion we're having, I can't imagine all groups go through this kind of thing. Was there any pushback from your team? Like, was there any ever time that they were like no I'm I'm going to go on my own journey with this or were you all like no we're in it to win it
1: Like I said we've really like the blessing and the curse of the pandemic was mm-hmm. we got to a place where we we're in it I know even myself like years back and like being way more of like a young teen about it and being like I don't need therapy like we all do that it's so annoying like I know that I did it for so long and had these feelings and it's very complicated like I'm sure like again immigrant child like my parents support therapy they don't even support me in therapy right now if I'm going to be truly honest with you Yeah. no it's it's just different mentality about it yeah so with that said, I'm sure that was so deeply ingrained in me. And I had no idea how deep that it was mentioned. And I'd be like, I don't need that shit. Like, right. so it took a long time even to come to yourself and be like, Oh God, I need help. And I'm so desperate that I don't care that this is like hurting my ego that I need it anymore. Like I'm just so desperate and I need something. I'll reach that like breaking point.
0: Yeah. What was the breaking point for you that you were like, no, this has to change?
1: Again, the pandemic, because I have time, because I don't think there's two sides of it, too, because if you're doing therapy, you're digging deep into trauma. And so it doesn't mean it's going to be a good time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's like, oh, yay, I'm going to go to therapy. I mean, it's so it's as an artist, though, I find it infinitely curious uh, to, to, to go on that journey.
1: So it means once you start digging in, like, you have to have the time to think about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get yourself out of the hole. Because if you just do therapy for one or two sessions, you might be thrown in a hole, which I've done this before. And then you can't get out cause you're like, oh, this is too hard. But the point was it opened the wound,
0: yeah.
1: the wound that you've had, and you've got to now heal the wound yourself. But if you don't put in the work and, and the time, then you're just reopening the wound and sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think the pandemic was helpful because I now had the time to understand, but now that we're going back to stuff, I know the importance of it and I prioritize it yeah. more than I did pre having the time to open up to it. Right. But even with it, if I'm going to be fully like transparent and open, even when I'm talking to one of my therapists, we t- he talks to me about like there are certain things that we wait to work on right. because I'm too busy and he's really in touch with my life. And mm-hmm. he understands that like, maybe it's, we need to wait to open this wound because you have this and this and this, this week and three music videos. and this right. It's not necessarily a good time to put you through that. Right. And so I'm lucky to have someone who understands music and yeah. the music industry so that he you know, maybe a traditional therapist wouldn't necessarily think that way if you don't know like the arts mm-hmm. as in like nine to fivers, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful that because he's music specific, he can help me avoid really terrible like situations. happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like breaking breaking down, not being able to function because you're in the shit like it's hard.
1: Yeah. So I recommend yeah. it. I, I'm making it sound really hard, but I still no. like-
0: it. <laughs> I think like as I said like I think an artist like going into therapy is so I don't know it's so enlightening because you're challenged to dive into your heart which is where you create your art from like I don't, I don't want to talk to you about your your process of making music because I do I think you're right like I think sometimes you start a song by like a tune or a, a lyric or a meal who knows but yeah. like how do you turn like the stuff that you're discovering about yourself do you have like a process for that?
1: It's really dependent. Like if I'm going to go here, like let's do song basis. Cause that helps. So with our newest track control, that song came together so fast and so easy, which is interesting. Cause that's not usually the process, but I knew at the time, like I was listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. Like we put out a Nine Inch Nails cover right before that and I really was thinking about control, like without even playing, like writing Mm -hmm. this, I was really thinking, overthinking as I do about why I'm so controlling and how it like paralyzes me a lot. Mm -hmm. It gives me anxiety to be so controlling in anything, in music and in the way that I chop something when I'm cooking, like these things that are sometimes so unimportant Mm -hmm. Why do I control them so much that it's like painful? And then I was also looking at this other side of it that said, like, if I wasn't in control in some ways, I don't think I would be as successful as I am right now, because I think you have to be in control of your future and you have to have sometimes, sometimes overconfidence and like to be able to especially honestly, again, being a woman, like I feel like you have two times. As hard of a time to convince someone to even listen to you or to Mm. believe you. So sometimes you're like fighting and it's exhausting. Like, I know Mm I get exhausted defending myself. And I'm so, this is a thing I'm working on now, defending myself. I'm so sick of it. It's Mm. so annoying. Um, And I'm sure everyone else is sick of it, to be honest. But like, control, there's Mm -hmm. two sides of it, and there's the good and there's the bad. And so I was like, really thinking and writing in my own journals about like what what are the places I want to use it and where do I want to take it away right. and when we started writing this song this bass line came in all that stuff was in my head uh, I think Zach came in with this sick guitar riff it was so cool and I just said I like to be in control and I just like it was so easy to write the yeah. rest of it because it could feel like you're doing both things at the same time and admitting
0: it it is such a challenge though like because as a business person because you know like you are a musician first but a musician without the the savvy of business is just a musician in their studio or their room so yeah like how do you because I see that you're you're savvy in your business element like how do you navigate that and make sure that that doesn't overtake the art that you're creating
1: that's a hard one if yeah. I'm gonna be honest I don't know I think most people have the issue of like, there's so much musician stuff happening and they can't grasp this business thing. Yeah. But my passion is actually really ingrained in business and marketing as well. I found- for it like if there's anything I took from Humber it's that I had no idea and this is like the one place where I recommend school I don't always 100% but when I got to my third year I did music business and fourth year I did music marketing honestly going into the courses I thought nothing of it like I was like it's just another course I have to take and pass But the first time I took it, I actually failed it (laughs) in my music business course because I think that I wasn't paying attention. I didn't care. The teacher at the time to me wasn't very inspiring. It goes both ways. Yeah. But the next year, my teacher was Rick Emmett. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something about him and the way he spoke and, you know, even having the success that he had, I was really enthralled in what he had to say and believed him because he had done it. Like he had gone out and he's done the thing. And I got a hundred percent that year. A class I got a hundred percent. That really speaks to a lot of people, I'm sure that like it went, you know, zero to a hundred um because I was really passionate about the way that this person was teaching. Mm And they didn't do it very traditional, which is like, I've never been a traditional person. So then I took music marketing with him the next year. And I actually went to him and was like, look, give me more work. Like, I, I want you to just like, work me. Mm-hmm. I love like marketing. I want to be the best. At the time I was in college. So I would use that word. Yeah. So he would give me like, so many extra assignments that didn't even count for like, grade. But I was just passionate about yeah. learning it and and I knew that it was important for some reason I didn't know why I just loved it so after leaving school little did I know that that was the thing that lit my fire that I had no idea that I would be so in love with that and the fact that I've always been an internet child social media Mm -hmm. always been a huge part of my life I just grew up with it couldn't help it It happened naturally that that somehow when I came out of school and these all coincided. And then I was also a musician.
0: So yeah, like it does seem like it all kind of came together in the perfect storm. Because I read that working with Rick Emmett sort of unlocked a passion for marketing in the music industry. Were there a couple of like key takeaways that you're like, I'm forever going to do this? That is like in my blood now.
1: I remember he had this speech he did once in class and it really, really hit hard he asked the class of like probably 40 people or so maybe a bit more how many of you in here think you're going to make it in the music industry yeah and like you know honestly a third of us put our hand up I was surprised not everyone wow
0: did, yeah
1: a lot of us did I mean some people were honest but I had my hand up front of course row of
0: did yeah <laughs> front row
1: and he was like honestly almost none of you are not even one might not in here and he's like because if you think that you work hard now you're a fool and then he st- started talking about like how many of you respect miley cyrus for example and i put my hand up i forget mm-hmm. her and most of the class did not mm was like this is why you're going to fail if you can't recognize someone at that level and what it takes and you're not studying the work that they do to get there then you're so naive mm-hmm. and I'm like oh such a good right. lesson. yeah a good lesson and it really like stuck with me and, and always thinking about that like I think about constantly like what does Beyonce do like <laughs> think I'm merely on her level but I just it inspires me to think mm-hmm. that a person who is almost like a superhero that is the the everyday superhero is someone who can be able to do that yeah so
0: and so I mean and then you make it work for you too right because you're a different person um get cut off,
1: like caught up in being Beyonce I'm never going to be I don't no, know
0: I mean there's <laughs> never going to be another Beyonce but there's never going to be another Sally like they're just that's that's how it works but my my thinking is like I do think that people enter the arts without the recognition of you're entering a business Mm -hmm. right so and that's what you're talking about but I also think like have you found yourself uh focused too much on the marketing and then you need to reignite your art
1: like I jumped on you yeah yeah (laughs) Is it's very easy once you get into it to get caught up in it because there's yeah. endless amounts of work. Like yeah. I, I could spend 100% of my time doing the business and the marketing yeah. and that's a job. Like you can, and it, but...
0: And so you, you might think it's easier, right? It's easier to delve into like marketing at your computer as opposed to like diving into your heart that it's going to be, that's going to cost you something.
1: Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is with that is... I'm super emotional about the marketing. Like, I need to scale it back sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes a font will drive me up the wall. Like, this font ruin the campaign. We can't. Like, no, it's not. Like, this is where the the pieces of control have to come in and chill out. But with that being said, yeah, writing, especially because it's so collaborative, Mm -hmm. is a lot of work and digging deep and working on yourself and getting people on the same page so i would say this band in general gets caught up a lot in the business and marketing but these days what we try to do is a lot times where it's like Uh, coming soon so like right like in the next two weeks i'm switching over from we have a new single coming out next week so working on those things and i'm about to switch over into tour mode which I'm still doing that stuff but I need to switch my brain on to like rehearsals working out focusing on singing up until the tour after the tour even though we're gonna have more shows I think we're switching again to writing mode so it's like even though this work still needs to get done you kind of have to just what is the word compartmentalize <laughs> Compartmentalize.
0: yeah I love it I love it that's gonna be your new favorite word but it's like it's not one that is easily running off your tongue
1: that's how it feels. Cause it doesn't, yeah. mean you can shut the door and other stuff. It needs to still happen, but we're becoming better at understanding what the focus needs to be at the time yeah. so that things don't fall apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can see that. Uh, I mean, I can see your passion. I understand that like the font's not right. I get that. It's like, you know, that control, that perfectionism. I'm definitely not in the world of perfectionism. I'm more of the, like, I think it's good enough. And then somebody will be like, you spelled your name wrong which isn't great either. So, but I also see that you're a boundary pusher. Like you like to see what else you can do. Can you tell me about what that looks like in your world? If you recognize, oh, I got to shift. I got to push some boundaries and how you challenge yourself to push those boundaries.
1: I believe in innovation over anything else. Like that is something that I preach is I'm very excited for innovation in this lifetime. And so I'm never interested in like the status quo um, and the thing that we've done. I'm always looking, honestly, sometimes way too far ahead and okay. too ambitious in in anything in our music videos. Like, I know for this next album, we'll see it ha- if it happens. But I'm really passionate about like this metaverse uh, that's going on, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I can see exactly how incredible it can be, and I want to be there for that. I don't want to wait and then do it like I know the path that could be really cool to do it and those are like for me pushing boundaries and innovation like how can we bring music there Mm -hmm. a new audience and then also just like you know bring our fans on a journey with us I know that this is going to be a hard one to convince because it's not even it doesn't really exist fully yet Um, so people in business often tell me, wait for someone else to do it with their money. And then when it's successful, you go, but that's where sometimes I fall short is I'm like, no I'm (laughs) person. We're going to figure it out. We've done that so many times where it's true. We've been like the first to do things, but nobody cares or notices until the Foo Fighters do it or Stefani does it, but it still feels good for me Mm -hmm. if I feel like you know, egotistical about it, it still feels fulfilling to push boundaries, whether or yeah. not one recognizes it, I see it and I recognize it. And if I'm not celebrating those moments for myself, then this would suck.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing mm-hmm.
1: really suck.
0: Yeah. So how do you, how do you keep your brain open? Like, cause this is what I'm imagining. I'm imagining you wake up and you're like, go off to the races, go, 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 go. But how do you stop the train in order to in order to connect with new innovative processes or in order to introduce yourself to maybe a new genre of music that you haven't done? How do you infuse that into your life?
1: It's been hard. My therapy really helps. I have like timers where if I've worked four hours straight on the computer because I have carpal tunnel, it's like put the timer down. Oh, my gosh minutes to walk away and make a tea focus on drinking your tea and nothing else so I have like tools like you were saying to kind of help because uh, me and my band are workaholics like that um, all on our own right but we have implemented we will see how far how long this goes for but in the band we're trying to do a thing where it's like we're done work at five or six weekends are off like we're trying to impose again like a priority on boundaries Mm -hmm. which like I have a very hard time with still because if I'm working on something like I will like wake up at seven and go till four in the morning and just because I'm obsessed with and finishing it but I know because of doing that for so long what the repercussions of it means I know it like I did so long. I know it's going to fuck me up. I know. What does it do to you? It, it burns me out. Then I've yeah. lost sleep. Then I'm, I know when I get in those cycles, I'm not eating. Cause I'm just like obsessed with finishing work. I'm hardly peeing. I play a game where I'm like, ah, we'll see how long I, I got to finish. this. like really, oh this really insane stuff. I'm sure it yeah. can relate on all of it, but like, I get fully, fully too into something, too obsessed. Yeah. Not healthy for anything so just really trying to set boundaries especially even like I said we were on the phone with each other all the time being like yo it's six o'clock let me have dinner with my family like uh we need to not be on the phone
0: yeah yeah Yeah, because your career is long I mean it's amazing what you've done in the span of time that you have been on this journey but Hopefully this is like 10, 20, 30 years from now, you'll still be creating new things. Do you have a vision of that? Do you have a vision of your, the longevity of your career?
1: It's a very self-conscious question because I, I have to believe it. You know, I think if I don't believe it, how can anyone else Mm -hmm. believe it? I feel way more confident now that we have some accolades to put behind them, but that's not enough. I know that, you know, some people get accolades and that's, they stop or think it's over, but hell no. The Did ball- you even
0: take a breath when you got the nomination? Did the you nomination? Did you even like, let's just celebrate for 24 hours and then we can get back to work? It was like that video that that we were yeah. screaming.
1: It was that, and then that was it. Like, back to work. I think a lot of people that are extreme workers, it's really hard to, even that moment that I did that, like I have to try to find those moments and be excited because a lot of the time I feel like you get exciting news and you're not, it's like, oh, but what else?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What? Where I'm already ahead of that, like we did that already, what's, what's next? So you don't even enjoy the thing And so I know that the whole band is trying to be much better about like, yo, this is a great thing. Like, it's okay to celebrate or be excited about a thing rather than be like, yeah, it happened. I got to get to this now, which we often do.
0: It's the patience, right? I mean, I think that I've had this feeling my entire career of impatience of like, I want to get to the thing I want to get to the thing and I guess it's a matter of like living in the moment like what I'm watching you do is like trying to find a way of setting boundaries you know there's a world right if we just keep working we're not gonna see the world
1: yeah I, I this goes back even the boundaries thing like if it's something I know I never grew up with boundaries something I've learned through therapy <laughs> I'm an immigrant child I wasn't yeah. a to close my door or lock it I was not allowed to do things like that there wasn't a lot of privacy I felt very controlled to be honest in my Mm -hmm. life so at this point when I'm putting in my own boundaries it feels so unnatural to me I almost feel guilty (laughs) like I I, you know for a while I was so proud that I had no boundaries I was like like I don't need those (laughs) special human who doesn't need but like, I've learned a lot uh, from my mistakes and just my upbringing now that it is very necessary and you have to have the strength to set them yourself. Like, yeah. you can't rely on other people to do that. So I'm looking forward to the future and boundaries. Like, we're, this is like a new journey, mm-hmm. I think, for all of us. And I think these are the things in place help with longevity. I think if these things weren't being worked on right now. Mm-hmm. We're still in it. It's still not yeah. perfect. Then I would be worried about our longevity. But because yeah. we're really working on on ourselves and we care so much about each other, that's where I have hope. And yeah. even further from that, like I don't, I can't imagine a life where I, I'm not creating something. If it's not music, if it's not music videos, if it's not for other people doing that, like I think that's just what I've always been destined to Mm -hmm. like I don't know what the hell could I be doing other than that like that to me is more terrifying to think about like what what else would I do
0: yeah I mean knowing you for what what did we talk 45 minutes I can't imagine anything else yeah yeah was there ever a time that you were like I'm gonna try I don't know I'm gonna try becoming a dentist or like something that you were like absolutely opposing to what your gut was telling you to do
1: that was like the decision going into college because at that point I didn't even know what Humber was. If I'm going to be honest with you, it was Jordan who's the drummer in the band who told me about Humber college. And yeah, I didn't know what Humber was. He was like, you should audition for vocals. And I'm like, cool. At the time I was applying to like communications at Ryerson, I think I applied to
0: fashion
1: design.
0: (laughs) But I can see that with you. I can see that with the way your videos are.
1: I think that I'm a much better director of things than I am. Like, I can't draw, like, not traditionally. Like, I can draw for fun, whatever. But, like, people going into those programs have prepared for a long time. Whereas, like, I had prepared for music, technically. Into that, they were like, you need to draw, like, a portfolio. Which I'd never done in my life. And I was like, cool, I guess I'm going to, I don't know. I was just like trying to figure out things that I could like you know you open up the college website and you're like I don't know what am I gonna do mm-hmm. and then I was like dragged into my Humber audition like Jordan had to drag me in no kidding. I was so like I'm not gonna get in I was so not confident about it I learned my song the night before like I was like I don't know what jazz song I picked the most basic song I picked autumn leaves. Like if you listen to jazz, everyone knows that it's like, what a song to pick like of all of them. That's the biggest one. So I didn't even know that because I didn't listen to jazz Mm -hmm. and I went in and I got into their intro program. So it wasn't the full bachelor yet, but the intro. And then the next year I had to re audition with my knowledge from the intro program. I got into the full degree, but Jordan really helped. I would wow. say that an integral part of my future and the irony we weren't even in a band yet. So
0: That's wild.
1: Years later that he also got into Humber and then we started a band and when we started Jordan was like in a million other bands so he was like I don't know if I'm going to have time for this band it's the, my last priority. Is what he right.
0: told. <laughs> me. <least> he was <laughs> honest. When did you lose the Ginger Ale part of your band title?
1: I want to say like seven years ago, like when Take It Back came out, mm-hmm. we decided to do kind of like a clean rebrand because at the time we were coming out of college. So it yeah. was like very confusing what our sound was. And we were trying, like if you listen to early Ginger on the Mono Wheels, it is like all over the place. Like there are influences of jazz and like this and that. You're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Which to listen back on
0: yeah But you're it. discovering it right like you can't those are part of your the growing years
1: and it was great I'm not ashamed of them at all like it helped us to get where we are but I yeah. think we started to really find our sound and at that point we wanted a break from you know all the previous stuff to this we wanted mm-hmm. to be actually we're going in a new direction and so it was you know such a small drop we just dropped the ginger ale and we went mm-hmm. mono whales because yeah. if you're Google Ginger Ale, good luck on the Google SEO. You're not going <laughs> to
0: see your marketing brain. You're already right. SEOing it. I think your band has a really unique sound. What do you think made the Juno jury sit up and give you a nomination?
1: I think they've just seen us work our asses off. Like, mm. I do think anyone who knows us can see, like, we're independent. So we're mm-hmm. still independent. Uh, We were self-managed up until just the pandemic. So we're still feeling like we have our team and they're incredible. So I don't want to discount all the work that they do, but we didn't have the traditional, like get signed by a label and then this thing and one in a million chance. Like we have really always had to put up our sleeves we still do and work non-stop and try and and fail and write and all these things so i think that we've just been in it for so long and perhaps the people within the juno saw even our improvement that a bit like us could like keep trying to level up and we're doing it against all odds and like no kidding So maybe, maybe that's why, but I also don't know. Like you can't really know, yeah. uh, but I'm grateful that they see us as a breakthrough group. It's funny. Cause like, I always laugh at like, you know, new group of the year breakthrough. I'm <laughs> like, sure. I'll take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, how long have you been a band?
1: I mean, Ginger Ale, the Monowells has almost been 10 years. Monowells, yeah. I think like five or so, Wow, maybe less. Yeah.
0: I mean, I love seeing the, the legends that you've worked with or the influences that you've had because it spans so much. I want to, I'm going to give you a couple of names. I want to ask you to, to give me like a sentence of the thing that you learned from that person. Okay. Okay. So uh, Christine Duncan.
1: Oh, <laughs> dagger to the heart because I yeah. love her so much. Mm-hmm. I learned about creative freedom,
0: mm.
1: Christine Duncan. And she helped me realize that being outside of the box is incredible. And it's a great thing. That's my sentence about Christine. I love
0: it. I love it. Here's another one. Lorraine Lawson.
1: Firecracker for speaking about someone. She is so full of life and so excited about vocal and performance. And to this day, like the lessons that I've learned from her, I use every day i yeah use, like what for, like even the smallest thing like she's like hey when you're on stage and you have your mic if it's in front of you and you're not using it why is it in the way pick it up put it back here at yeah. the stage and i think of her every time that i do that i'm like lorraine lawson <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love that okay uh, falconer abraham oh <laughs> I just this is just fun for me to watch your face explode with joy every time I say somebody's name because I know you you love them. You can see it.
1: Yeah, I, I just also haven't seen them in a while. So Falconer helped me at a time where my I was struggling a lot in like my physical throat. And yeah, you had
0: laryngitis, right?
1: I had to get my tonsils out. I had chronic tonsillitis, chronic strep throat, like for years I didn't understand what was going on. Finally yeah pandemic I got them out so it's all good but it was at the beginning of that journey and beginning of like before I had in-ears and stuff so I was wailing on stage trying to hear myself right he really if anything taught me the strength to speak up and say hey I need this if you want Mm me to be this way this is something that I need and that you guys have to care about if you care about me so Uh that's something that
0: Faulkner taught me. (laughs) Now that you've had your tonsils removed, are you easy peasy now? Or do you have to do a regime to make sure that you don't go down a path of of unhealthy vocal cords?
1: I've always been like very intense about my vocal health, especially because of that. I think that I'm going to continue to be intense. But with that, I think that because of what was going on, I had reached like a plateau of like, this is the best you're going to get. So like I did everything I could but that was where I was gonna get. And I, I did most of the tours, like strep throat, sick. I, the Daytona Bleach album, I was completely like strep throating, yeah. recording that entire album. So for me, it's like, I've never, it's been years since I've sang pain-free yeah. and I'm so excited. Like I can't yeah. imagine a tour where I'm not sick. So of course I'm gonna be intense. I'm not gonna drink anything probably. I'm one of those people, like I have my thing, I'm going to bed, I'm eating healthy. I'm, I'm trying to work out on the road, although it's really hard when you're once you're out there, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a drill sergeant when it comes to that stuff, believe it or not.
0: No, I get it. You know what, I was doing two shows, like a kid's show at like eight o'clock in the morning and then an evening show, another theater show. And I wrecked my vocal cords so badly. That I couldn't speak. Like at one point, I was like, "I'm gonna make a reference that is so old, but it's like this Looney Tunes frog, where like the 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 frog is like, ah! like they can't. There was no sound. I was like spitting up blood. It was so bad. Yeah. And so I get, I get that. Like, and the pain of like that's your that's your craft. Like, what do you? Yeah, it's really scary. The
1: other side of it is you're the only one experiencing it, so it's defending yourself. No one believes you as much, and it's almost like all this gaslighting that you're like. I can do it. I can. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, after going to the doctor and he took them out, there were two sizes, like, like there were two golf balls essentially in my throat. And he's like, I don't know in what world were you able to tour and play. Yeah. Like he's like, you're a maniac. And I was you're like, You're lucky you
0: didn't develop nodes though, right?
1: Yeah, I'm very lucky.
0: Okay, here's another name uh, Mika Barnes.
1: Mika Barnes. The- right? wow yeah the the newest addition to my my vocal family he's who helped me recover from my surgery so that was like a suggestion from my manager who introduced me to mika and i will forever be grateful for the work that we did together to get me back to where i needed to be and way further like mika is special because it's not just a vocal coach Mm -hmm. He is like a life coach at the same time. Mm-hmm. and with with a filter through a music career. Yeah. So I sometimes I had a breakdown actually in the studio recording this upcoming stuff and I was so helpless and didn't know what how I was gonna make it through singing that Mika's the first person I called.
0: Hmm. Was that pain like was that emotional pain? you had a breakdown or the vocal pain?
1: It was emotional. Really? <laughs> which is great i rather that in some ways but it's like it speaks a lot to be in the studio and desperate and and on the floor needing help and calling my vocal coach
0: yeah yeah no kidding what's the thing that you do that is like do you have a polar opposite life where you're like i also rug hook or i like to breed hamsters i don't know do you have something that's completely the opposite to your music career
1: Because I love the internet and technology so much, like I do this a lot. And to be honest, I love it. So there's two sides of it. It's like, I could be working and that's intense and it's work. But in my free time, people sometimes get on me, like, why are you on social media? And you're off. And I'm like, but now I'm doing it for enjoyment. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) We like work. But the other half of it is like, it's very, very easy for me to turn my phone off and put it away because Mm. it's so... Intense in my life that I walk away and I just get to be with my loved ones. Like that's my other thing is to be close with my loved ones, and whether that's like watching TV, painting. I don't do anything like too serious. It's just like being with people that I love is my uh, my alt life.
0: Yeah, I get it. Oh well, listen, we have to wrap it up. Well, I don't want to. I I could talk to you all day. I think you're extraordinary, and I want to do like. Uh, do you ever see that film that's called um, Seven Up? And there's like, this, it's a really great documentary. And they follow these um, gals when they're seven. And then there were 14, 21. I have heard about this. I have not seen it yet, but God, it sounds good. Right? I want to do that with you. I think like we should follow up every three years or something just to see where, you're, where your world's at. Because I think you're
1: Honored. extraordinary. So cool, thank you.
0: We'll do like the table turning question. You can ask me a question. Then we'll wrap up some firecracker questions.
1: Ooh, I love it okay, when was a turning point in your life, a moment that you knew that like, was the moment that you're like, yes, I am doing the thing that I want to do. Kind of like you asked me.
0: Yeah, I know. I love that moment so much. Cause it's so, there's no word for it, right? There's no word for when you're just like feeling good about your, in your gut, you feel right? Just like the certainty,
1: the gut yeah. feeling. What's it, like, there's many of them, but what's like a moment you remember?
0: I would say- I have yeah many of them one of them was uh when I started theater school like the very first day I I fought it because I was like oh theater school that's not a very secure career and all these thoughts and then the very first day I was like I don't want to do anything else I was like in it and there's a lot of like fear in my theater school of people getting cut after the first year and the second year and I was like I'm I'm just in here I'm I'm in it too for the long haul I'm it's my my life now and then the second one is when I started working with Second City. And I remember like walking into the building and be like, oh, oh, it's it's my friends. <laughs> John Candy, my friend, Catherine O'Hara. I mean, they weren't my friends, for God's sake, but flex. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was just home like it just felt. Yeah, it just and any time I think uh, you must feel that on stage, though, don't you feel like you're home when you're on stage?
1: I think that like, even if there's not a person there, like it's the place that I've always wanted to be. Mm-hmm.
0: trust me there are many shows when there's no person there <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I know I mean that's part of it though right that's part when you know you're in the right place when you're like I it actually doesn't matter to me yeah what's been your favorite stage that you've been on
1: oh boy we had the pandemic it's been so long yeah but I have always loved playing the horseshoe yeah like more that it's not just like the stage isn't like an extraordinary stage no. or anything. But it's because I, at the time, like I, I went there so much and saw so many shows, like big bands, small yeah. bands, whatever. And when I play there, the energy in the room, it's, it's the energy. That's what it yeah. is. The energy in the room is unmatchable. And all the shows we've ever put on there have been like the best shows. So I don't even know if it was the venue. It was just like.
0: No, the- there's something special about that venue. I agree with you. Anytime I've ever been there, you just feel like there's a little bit of magic that's about to happen.
1: I think there's like something about like a little bit more divey venues for me that like I connect with Mm -hmm. if something is squeaky clean I'm like uncomfortable like I'm like I don't know like same with the studio like when I has have had to record at Humber Studios incredible million dollar studio but I'm like it's too clean in here (laughs) I don't know I feel uncomfortable but if like the red dog if you know about that place in Peterborough which is kind of a hole in the wall I'm like oh this is so
0: comfortable yeah
1: punk rock venues bovine sex club like those are places where I feel way more comfortable
0: yeah I get it fill in the blank what is a firecracker to you
1: I mean I said Lorraine Lawson so yeah
0: what quality does she have that you're like that's incredible
1: that her spirit Mm mm-hmm just her spirit that she brings to every day, even, mm-hmm. or every person, every day, every conversation. That's something that I think about and that I think is a very hard thing to do on a daily yeah. basis.
0: Yeah, I think you're doing a pretty good job. What do you want to be best known for?
1: For being an artist, that overarching, whatever it means, whatever projects, music, not music, just like the artistry of what I do, hopefully.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. What's something that people don't know about you?
1: Oh, I thought about this the other day because this question comes up a lot and I'm like so blank because I feel like everyone, I'm pretty open about stuff. It is so dumb and I'm so excited. I, I don't know if I'll be able to do it on camera. I'm still practicing, but I can make, this is so nasty, a spit bubble on the tip of my tongue and I can blow it. So it, it, it like hovers in the air practicing for years. It's very hard. I haven't been able to like perfect it. So it happens every time, but I'm telling you in three years from now,
0: <laughs> that'll be the follow-up. Okay. What's something that you know you have to do in your lifetime?
1: Keep getting stronger mm. in a vulnerable way. There's two different ways. I know like, again, the way my mom grew up, it was like, and I'm very grateful. I'm so strong for it. But she's very strong and it's, it's like never show vulnerability. It's like you are a strong woman. You don't break down. But that's really brutal. So I want to make sure that I'm strong in the things I need to be strong about. And I'm really open and vulnerable and honest with the things that I'm the most self-conscious about mm-hmm. so that I don't have a fake strength. If that, that
0: resonates yeah no that re- I mean my my father was Lithuanian and my mom was British so there was a lot of like just be strong
1: yeah to this yeah. day and I'm just like mom it's okay Like, yeah. shoulder, like you don't have to be strong about everything like you've done it so long like ah uh, heartbreaking stuff yeah I feel that way about our parents a lot yeah
0: yeah what, what makes you feel powerful
1: this sounds so egotistical but myself (laughs) I think that it's the moments where I have to give myself affirmation and it's very hard to do but if you're not giving yourself self-love and you're only seeking it through other people's validation I know let me be the martyr for everyone doing that that like you're not gonna get enough love man that stuff's gonna fade it's gonna be hard A hard time. I'm having a hard time with it right now, if I'm going to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on, I've been talking to a lot of other artists about this, just like self-affirmation and love and writing down every day. Like, these are the things that I know that I can do and giving yourself compliments so that you don't have to rely on other people. Mm So. It's very long winded answer. Not at all.
0: No, I think it's a really valuable thing to put in your back pocket. Like if you can train yourself to um, rely less on, you know, the admiration of others, I think, you know, you'll be better off, but it's not easy.
1: Because imagine then things happen where the script is flipped and now you're only getting hate. And if that's all you know, ah, brutal. Yeah. And I will just say as a second part to that in, in where I found my power, as much as it's myself it's other people so seeing other people do incredible things and succeed and and you getting on CBC and hearing your stories and listening to every single person and knowing that they have a story that's going to connect with you and so just like listening and finding power because every person on this planet has superpowers and so we might as well listen to them and learn from them
0: I love it My final question is advice, advice you would have given to your younger self, which is wild because you're so young right now. But what's advice you would have given to a younger before band days?
1: Before band? Yeah, like when
0: you were 12.
1: You know what I think about often? And this isn't like the most romantic advice to give. But the thing that I regret is like these days I see like kids that are making six figures, like just from like fan accounts on TikTok. And i think that i had a lot of potential to be that person but i didn't know that that existed it didn't technically exist yet like you couldn't monetize but i would have told myself to that moral of that is to start younger like don't be so afraid of fucking up and looking stupid and making mistakes and i and to be fair i did a lot of that <laughs> but even more of that like go ahead and try the earlier on you can work on your craft, especially the stuff that you feel that you want to be better at. Like say, I really got into guitar at age 12, even more like start, I'm telling Mm. you out there, start now, like your career has already started, even though it doesn't need to go anywhere.
0: I love it. I think you're extraordinary. And I'm so happy. I know you're so busy. So I'm so happy we had some time together. I can't wait to share this story with firecracker community so much for having me i really thank you so much that was so great sally i love chatting with you thank you thank you i have to say i just felt really lucky because you know sometimes i get to chat with our podcast guests in this little pocket of time you know they don't have a lot of time or they're just like taking a break between things And I got Sally just before she went on tour. And one of the things I love about her is that, you know, with Firecracker Department, we talk about Venn diagrams a lot, like where your goals and dreams overlap Firecracker's goals and dreams. And that's like the sweet spot of how we work together. And Sally said her band was also like a Venn diagram, bringing all the expertise and all their talents overlapping, which I just love. I love the idea when you recognize what are the things that overlap and how do we use that as our launching force to establish ourselves as a company, as a group, as a team. She's so smart. Now, for the latest Sally Shar updates, follow her on Twitter at Sally Shar, on Instagram at Sally underscore Shar. And to see what's happening with Mono Whales, follow them at Mono Whales on all platforms and head over to their website, monowales.com. Now, Sally talked about her band Mono Whales as her artistic family. And I love that. I think we have the family we're born into, and then we have the family we choose. It's often the chosen family that support and nurture your artistic self. You know, like I feel like the people that are in my chosen family are uh, connected to what I'm doing in my life as an artist. Do you have an artistic family? Do you have a chosen family? I'd love to hear all about those folks. We celebrate Father's Day, Mother's Day, Family Day, but we should start celebrating Chosen Family Day. I'm going to submit that. Who do I submit that to? I think it should be a thing. Let me know what your chosen family is like by dropping a comment on Instagram or tweet us at firecrackerdept. Or, you know, you'd always leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which always helps get more ears over to our podcast. And of course, you can always send me an email at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com because we love to hear from all of you. Yes, we do. To see what's going on in the firecracker world, visit our website firecrackerdepartment.com and while you're there, if you haven't already, subscribe to our now bi-monthly newsletter to get the inside scoop and nudge on everything that's going on in the firecracker department. We've got a bunch of things coming up. We've got workshops and writing bursts and we've got our regular Sunday brunch if you just want to hang out with your people. We've got more mentorship workshops. I guarantee you when you come to one of our events. You're going to see the people at the event, whether it's on Zoom or in person, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, these are my people. So come on in and join our community. If you're wondering what's going on in the firecracker world, go over to our website and check out the calendar for all the events and information. All right, it's May. Go on out there. What are you creating these days? I encourage you to meet with a friend and talk about a project. I encourage you to open up a book and start reading or crack open that blank book and start writing. Just do one little step towards your creative action and then drop me a line. Let me know what you're working on. We'd love to hear about it and we'd love to support it. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with me and the firecracker department. And as I said, come on in. The water's fine. Join in the community whenever you like. We'd love to have you. Winnie Wong is our firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong eight on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right, she's a triple W. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music, and thanks to you. Yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the firecracker department. We'll see you next time.